everyone. My name is Bernice, and I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Bernice. Hi. Um, we don't have at this moment a moderator, so I'm just reading off what's on here. Uh, it says, Welcome to the workshop of our primary purpose, and I have said my name. Um, I'll start with my serenity prayer. I'm sure it's not on your record. Okay. Uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thank you. I have to preserve the cherished tradition of anonymity by reframing from taking pictures in this or any other meeting room. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, and ask it, basket question. A basket with papers and pencils will circulate to you to write any questions you may have for the speaker. Please specify whom your question is for. The reading is from OH 12 and 12, page 145 through 146. I'm Bernice, the first speaker, and speaking for 25 minutes. However, if I don't go through the 25 minutes, because sometimes I say that I can't um, speak for 20 minutes, 15 minutes, and I end up, gee whiz, I, I get on a roll and I make it sit there two hours. Um, I, 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 um, I worked on the committee uh, with this, and I, I thought it was the most wonderful thing when I was asked, to talk on the traditions because the fact is that I don't hear too much about traditions until we're doing the seventh tradition. And it has nothing to do with the fellowship it is me because I don't go to uh, meetings uh, too much that has the 12 traditions. Um, but I think for me now that uh, since I am talking on the fifth tradition, uh, our primary purpose is that uh, this is guiding me to um, attend meetings, more meetings with the traditions. Because for me, traditions is like um, outside program, our outside program life. It's a law. It's a rule. It's something that I must abide by and um, respect. Um, I read... I read uh, in the OH 12 and 12, where we're taking this out, one from page 145 to 146. And it talks about the tradition file reminds us that our recovery doesn't come from simply discussing our problems with each other. It is the OA message and our steps and traditions. And we find solutions to our problems. And they named several of them. I'm not going to go over all that they named, but I will name some of them and tell you why I accepted those. The first one for me was honesty. Now, for me, I was never an honest person. I, even as a child, I would lie to my mother and get in a lot of trouble. Um, I think that I was about 13 the last time that I lied to my mother and got in serious trouble. I was sharing this with someone not too long ago. Uh, there were four of us girls. We were pals, and we all decided to wear our mother's stockings to school. Well, I didn't get any holes in my mother's stockings, but when I put them back, 
I didn't have the knowledge to know that the foot would dry up and get kind of firm, you know, like. And when she asked me about it, I told her, had I been in her drawer, and I told her no. And she says to me, I'm going to whip you, and I'm going to punish you. This will be your last time of telling a lie. And believe it or not, she taught me a lesson. And then when I came into Overeaters Anonymous on the 29th of August of 1993, I I wasn't introduced to the program or anything about the steps, and I didn't want to hear the God thing, and it was only my one of my nieces was another 12-step program introduced me for uh, weight loss because I was known in my family as the diet queen. I'm a registered nurse, well, a retired woman, that's nice to say, that I could tell everybody how to lose weight. Um... And when I came in, that's why I was looking for a diet sheet. And I just knew that you all were going to do like anywhere else. And there were other places I had went over the years with diets that you all were going to pass me a diet sheet and I'm on my way wherever I'm going. But that wasn't so. I realized today that my God kept me here so I can learn about our primary purpose. Honesty was the number one that we have listed here in our 12 and 12, or age 12 and 12. And I feel like for myself that that's one thing that I had problems with all my life from a child was being honest. So I feel that God wanted me to really get this um, concept of knowing about our primary purpose. And for me, it was honesty number one. Today I can tell you I practice honesty. Uh, I have some very close friends that knows me back when, and they'll say, are you sure you're not lying? Well, no, I'm not. And I can understand because they're normies, and they're not used to me telling the truth, you know. But that's okay. That's their business. I know where I am, and my God knows who's the Heavenly Father and sometimes Jesus Christ. That's who I accept for my high priority. today. I'm not religious. I practice spirituality on a daily basis. The next one that that I take in from here is faith. And without me having faith in my high power, in the OA program, in you all, then I feel like that there's no point in me being here if I don't have faith. But see, me by me finding the God of my understanding gives me faith on a daily basis, and allows me to practice the principles in all our affairs and to reach out to other suffering compulsive over years. I feel that faith is something that I have been blessed with and not just throughout the fellowship but on a daily basis. Sometimes it's just like my eating. It's one second at a time because I can get hot-headed but I always remember to go to my God and ask me, him, to allow me to forgive you. And this morning, a little thing happened with my roommate, her and I. I lost my key. I came in last night, about 12-something, very tired from working from yesterday at 10 a.m. until uh, after midnight last night. And uh, I knew I had the key to get in. And so she says, oh, well, you know, we'll go to sleep and we'll get it. Look at it for tomorrow morning. So this morning we get up and 
I'm talking about my key again. And she came over to me and she got her hand. We, we joined hands and she prayed and asked God to help me find my key. And less than five minutes, I looked down and there it was right at the foot of the bed, side of the bed on the floor. I realized for myself that not only I saw in her, but she was sharing with me and reaching out to me. This is what I feel that our primary purpose is, that we must share with each other not only our recovery and what's going on with us, but pray and love and respect each other. And I felt that this morning with my roommate, lots of love. And that is the third thing that they name here, is love. And I felt that this morning, and that's one of our primary purposes, that we must have love in this fellowship. As I spoke a few moments ago about God, they talked here about spiritual awareness. I was spiritually bankrupt when I came in here. I knew that there was a God, a high power, or something, some kind of supreme being that kept the sun, the moon, the stars, and the light and dark and all that going. But he or she or it didn't have time for me, and I didn't have time for it, and I didn't want to hear. Although, if my mother's mother heard that, she would just think it was terrible because I always said, okay, uh, Mama, you have your God, but I don't know him. And I learned in this room what a spirituality is and what a spiritual awakeness is for me. And again, that goes back up for me to be honest and have faith and love. And the next one for me is open-mindedness. You know, that was a kind of a hard one for me to, to, to really digest because a lot of times I was never open-minded, especially to things that you wanted to say and do. So I went to the dictionary to look up open-mindedness. And it said, free from prejudice or bias. And I had to admit to myself that I have been very, very prejudiced. It has nothing to do with color. I was prejudiced with people that did not have an education, uh, did not have a car, uh, couldn't buy a new pair of $100 shoes, $50, whatever. That was me. I would say, mm, turn my nose up at you and keep going. I didn't like you because you were not what I wanted you to be. But by me, being honest, having faith, and love, and a spirituality, Today, I am very open-minded to what goes on around me. I may not like everything that goes on around me, but I do accept that, and I'm open-minded to it. The fellowship has really, really been placed in my life for me to turn my life around. And that came from my God. He knew that I needed a change in my life. He knew that I needed to reach out to other compulsive overeaters and to share with them there is another way of living. It has just not all about the food. Food does play a part for me. But I was so bankrupt with other issues in my life that I had to work on the spirituality of myself. And to accept you as you are 
which I had a very hard time. I never accepted anything in my life too long. I got rid of too well. My second husband passed away, but my first husband and many boyfriends, and I had to keep my two kids. I couldn't get rid of them. So that was the thing that I realized that being in this fellowship that my God has allowed me to do is to be accepting, whether I like it or not. Because I, I, who am I to not like what you all do? I heard this morning on a panel that was talking this morning, and the lady said, she talked about she don't tell people what to eat. She said, because it's not her business. And I have to take that for me. It's not my business what you eat, what you dress, what you wear, whether you walk, ride, or bus, or what you do. It's not my business. And it comes back up to me being open-minded to what's going on around me today. I um, also, I, I didn't say, when I, before I came into the program, about, about 10 months before I came into the program, I lost 50 pounds. My top weight that I can remember was 334. And I had lost 50 pounds before I came into the program. And uh, my sister, I, one of my sisters, I have half siblings and uh, on my father's side, and one of my sisters said to me, uh, she says, I don't like you being with those people because of the fact you remember Jim Jones. They, and I said, I don't want to talk about that because my head was telling me I didn't care about Jim Jones. I didn't care about anybody. I cared about a diet sheet. That was my thing. I don't want to hear anything else. Leave me alone. But I realized today that she was only saying that out of love. She's a normie. She has no food problems. She has a lot of other issue problems. She could be in other 12-step programs, but uh, she has no food problems, and that's okay, too, for her. And I love her as she is and accept her as she is. And sometimes, you know, she does get on my nerve, I have to be honest about that. And that, again, comes out of um, what they're talking about here, being honest. Um, so for me to be... Um, for my primary purpose and what I feel that fellowship and it's just my opinion has nothing to do with anyone else is that we must be honest in this fellowship. We must have faith. We must have love. We must have spiritual awareness. And we must have open-mindedness. It names quite a few here. But those are the ones that I chose for myself to work on on a daily basis. And it's not easy. Believe me, it is not easy. Um, sometimes I don't want to have be open-minded about a lot of things that goes on around me. But I know that in order to love you and to be honest with you, that I must do as step five says, admit to my God, to myself, and to another human being the exact natures of my wrongs. And that comes to me understanding and being honest when I take step five. Um, I work the steps with my sponsor every, I call my sponsor every uh, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I can call her anytime I want. Uh, I've been with her, um, we just celebrated a little over nine years in March together. Uh, when I first came into the fellowship, as I said, the 29th of March in 
Three, I did not get a sponsor until March of 94. I did not want people telling me what to do. That was it. That was the bottom line. Uh, how I got this lovely spiritual lady, and I know today that my God knew that I was spiritual bankrupt, and I needed someone that was living a spiritual and practicing a spiritual program on a daily basis. Since I got her at 100 pounds this meeting that I now call my home in Westchester. Uh, so that I guess I'm going to program something coffee about seven months. And I looked up, I heard this voice on both sides of me saying, ask her to be your sponsor. Ask her to be your sponsor. And I'm looking around beside me, the people, and nobody's talking to me. So I'm getting a little irritated because I'm thinking that something's going on with my hearing. Maybe the speaker or somebody is saying something that I'm not really hearing. And finally I looked up when this voice said it very loud and clear. I looked up and looked her dead in the face. And after the meeting was over, I went up to her and asked her would she sponsor me, and she gave me her number and told me to call her. So some three or four days later, I did. And after I called her, I don't, and, I, and I said, what in the hell am I doing calling her? She's going to tell me what to do. This is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a diet sheet. And that is the first time that I can remember being in the fellowship that I actually prayed and was sincere with my prayers. I said, God, if this is what you want me to do in order for me to lose weight, then I will accept, but I'm not happy about it. Not knowing that I was taking step five, being honest, using that faith that I talked about in our primary purpose. Not knowing that I was using the spiritual awareness but I talked about other open-mindedness. None of those things that I know that I was using. But I know today that that was my God. I had nothing to do with that. I had nothing to do with coming into these rooms. I thought I did because I was looking for a diet sheet. But I know today it was not me. It was my God who knew that I needed help. I was spiritually bankrupt. I was dishonest. I had no, I definitely was not open-minded and had no love for you because I didn't give a hootie hootie what you did. Love you for what? What am I loving you for? You know, this is not it. You're not my mother, father, sister, brother, whatever, husband. I had no faith. So I know that my God today was saying it's time for you to come in out of the rain so you can be of service and you can share your experience, strength, and hope and where you came from. And believe me, today, I don't like remembering some of the things about where I came from, but I know it's necessary for me to never forget. And I thank my God on a daily basis when I get up in the morning and I say to God, thank you, my God, for allowing me to see this day. Thank you allow me to not wake up blind, crazy, or disabled in any sense of the word. And most of all, allow me to stay out of your way today because I don't, you don't need the help. I do. 
Those are my prayers in the morning before I get out of bed and open my eyes. And I'm not standing here today. I can tell you that I am honest today. From the bottom of my heart, I'm honest. And if I tell you that I have faith today in my high power and in my program, believe me, that's from my heart and I, that's true. If I tell you that I love you and put my arms around you, I mean that. If I tell you that I have a spiritual awareness today, if I tell you I'm open-minded today, I learned that in these rooms. Okay. I learned that in these rooms. And this one I feel for me is my primary purpose and the purpose of this fellowship. There are many other things that is named here, but those is what I picked up for myself. Is honest, faith, spirituality, and open-mindedness. I just want to say a couple of things and then I'm going to close. The big book is also, I've been through this four times with my sponsor. It is, this is my first big book. And I, um, I, I, I am, I'm going to tell you something. I don't allow nobody to use this book because I was very fortunate when my dear friend Jack to have met Dr. Paul about seven or eight months before he passed and he autographed my book on page 449. And I like to keep it in remembrance. And uh, there is something that I read an awful lot for myself. And I just want to close with this. As I said, I'm practicing spirituality every day. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. If you, when we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a high power, and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. So I feel if we're all here together and in love, and we are in a spiritual world and of our own, then we can share our primary purpose of the fellowship together. Thank you. I'm Lillian. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Lillian. Hi. Um, I think this is a great time. We should take the show on the road because Bernicia is much more about spirituality and love, and I'm sort of more on the practical aspects of what do we do. Um, but when I saw Primary Purpose, the first thing I thought immediately was, of course, we're powerless over food and they save from compulsive overeating. And then I thought, well, maybe I should look that up. Oh, a primary and what I love is the way this is worded, the 12 steps and the traditions. It's like so word for word, because I kept forgetting and going back to look again. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And I'd say, well, the selfish side of me said, well, no, but I'm here for me. I'm mean, to lose weight and to keep it off and all of that. And then you remember that the way that we do that is by sharing the program. And the way we do that is attraction rather than promotion. It's like 
I, people that I work with, I, just to start out my experience, Strength and Hope, I first came here in around uh, six, 33, 34 years. And I think, like I say, Rosanna and Maxine were the only people like here before me that are here. Um, and I came in and I struggled and I really tried to lose the weight and I'd lose it again and fight it and fight it. And, and finally, I got down to a weight like 129 pounds or so and I was thrilled. And I ran and I, took, I got up on the roof of my building with a bikini on and we took pictures and all of that. It's like within somewhere I knew that I wasn't done yet, you know. I wanted documentation immediately. So then I went out of town and I gained like 50 pounds in six months. I was having so much fun. And this program is one of the few places where I can say that. You say, oh, 50 in six months. Well, that's kind of moderate, you know. <laughs> that's not too crazy, right? Um, and came back and then had a face coming back to the meeting rooms with a lot of people that I knew and I two close friends. I would, you know, oh, geez, I can't, I just, I can't face I'm going to lose some weight first and then come back. Well, you know how that went, right? So probably another 10 pounds came on, and I finally realized that wasn't going to work. So I came back. You know, you just bite the bullet and say, the program is love, everyone's been wherever we are, and it's not about ego and vanity, and just, you can't get past there without going through the doors and just doing it. So I did. And again, I would have stayed, I would never get a year, it would be 10 months, something, something would happen. It was never me taking a bite. This happened, that happened, that made me do it. Obviously, I've learned that's never the case, but it just took a long time. And then I would lose the weight to a point and then I have to say I was out of the country for a while I married I had a couple of kids and who were fabulous children and I just left I mean I spent 15 years sort of looking for easier softer ways so if anyone's thinking of going out there I guarantee you there are none I mean there are a lot of great diet programs for friends of mine or like my husband was a normie they gained 10 pounds they say I gotta lose it and they do end of story for those people, it's great, Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or what have you. It's like there is no compulsive component. There isn't the spiritual hunger and the emotional and all the rest of it. It's a simple physical matter and like, that's it. They got sloppy for a while, you know? And I said, God bless them, but it wasn't working. I had pregnant women urine shots and all for a while. I mean, you know, we've all done a different assortment of the insane things. And I lost a lot of weight. That was great. The first day I finished with it, I gained six pounds. I said, well, you know, what is that? It's easy to lose it. Whereas this program gives you the tools for life and the tools, you can't take something away and not replace it with, so you can't just have a big void in your life, which is all the hours you spend eating and not have something. And that's what the tools and the meetings and the phone calls and the sponsors and the writing and all of that sort of fills the void. Um, so I came back in July 3rd, and I want to say God willing, because I know God is willing. If I'm willing, it'll be 11 years this July 3rd. And that's when I came back. I was getting divorced. My kids were away at camp. I looked like shit. And fortunately, a good friend told me that. We went out to him. He said, what's going on with you? Look at your clothes, your hair. You're getting so fat. What the hell happened? And I remember I looked at him. I said, thank you. Thank you. And I went home. And the next day, I was at a meeting. Because, you know, some of those friends, we want to be kind to our friends. We want to tell them they look great and you feel good. Oh, what a great dress or whatever. And just, I didn't mean out of kindness. But if you put on 50 pounds or something and you're 75 pounds above where you should be, it wasn't really helping me. And he said it just out of honesty. And that was what I needed, that kind of Eskimo that hit in the head to say, yeah, you know, what's going on? Okay, so I come back, it's July 3rd, and that night I'm going to the Hollywood Bowl where they have, you know, all the food and the buyer room brings. I bring my little chicken breast and my carrot and celery stick, and I'm, after that, I'm thinking, please, God, if I just make it through this night, this is, gonna, this is the worst. Nothing's going to be harder. But it isn't even around a table. You're sitting right there. So somehow, thank you, God, I made it through the night. 
and and was abstaining then really um the great sponsor was really tough and took no bullshit you know this is what you have and i said but i can't but can i just um and i understood by that which i wouldn't have 20 years before i realized it wasn't to be mean it was to get me into that discipline mode and you know every time it would work i said oh, but i have to have the show and I don't mean to portray it like you couldn't discuss or talk about things or anything. But she said, but I can't do that because I can't. And she would say, well, why can't you? And you would discuss and you would think about it. And you realize, of course you can, if you're willing to. And maybe you'll be hungry, God forbid. You know? I'd say, so you'll be hungry for a few hours. Or I'd call her and say, oh, I finally said, I'm so I'm going to cry. And she said, well, cry. Go sit and cry for a while. So what? And that was like a foreign thought because I said, anything better than feeling sad. I say, oh, I'm not a big crier. I say, I admire people who are up here on the podium who can cry as they're speaking to a room of strangers. I say, wow, I, I've never gotten there yet. Maybe someday. But, but to be able to cry to myself because I feel so sad and bad. So if I sit here and I cry and I dry the tears and I move on, it's done. If I go back and eat, I'm pushing myself back again. I have to go through the stage all over again. And like I've accomplished nothing. And I know for me, I came in here to lose weight because I was sick of being fat all my life and always weighing more than everyone. And when I first came in, I said, we have all shapes and sizes. And then they said, yeah, somebody was 500, now they're 300. That's pretty great. I mean, they've lost more than me as a human being, you know, or 300 to 150, whatever. It teaches you to stop judging anybody by what you see because it doesn't matter. It's just if we're all in here working the program and doing the best we can. And so, okay. So then I started back, like, for real, and working all the steps and going to meetings regularly and calling every day, and, which I did for several months. Not because I don't know what to eat, and not because I'm stupid and I don't know what's fattening and what isn't, but sometimes God has to work through somebody, you know? I mean, not that I don't have direct contact, but I can do all the little details and all that, you know? And it's like, God, where's my answers? Well, maybe I'm just not seeing them. That's why I have a sponsor there to act kind of the voice of God and to help me keep myself honest and straight and to say well here's my food for the day well you sure you really want that like do you really need that it isn't telling me what to do which would only piss me off and I think all of that are like that and I think that's why we can help each other because we all know that we're going through the same thing that I'm not here to help you for your sake I'm helping you for my sake because the only way to keep it is to give it away if I thought it was pure altruism and people are good and kind, but they don't need it from me. I think, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. It's not, I can't trust that. So it isn't that. It's because I know that's the way that we can keep the program is by sharing it and by giving it away. And so people that I'm working with or friends that you run into, I don't also didn't talk myself to death on this program. Because other times you start diets and you say, what are you doing? I'm not eating this and I'm not having that. And, I mean, and you know, you talk and talk and talk it so much. I mean, it's like writing a book. You feel like you've done it because you're just talking too much. I just sort of kept my mouth shut, which was also difficult. It's all these oral satisfactions were gone. I couldn't eat. I couldn't keep talking about it. But after a while, you know, people notice, and that's kind of the scariest thing. When somebody, you could you lost some weight. Because like, then it's like, wow, I'm getting a result, and this is like really working. But, you know, like you deal with that too. It's get phone calls, getting on the phone, and say, oh, my God, someone said you lost weight. I mean, there was like a little definition in an arm or maybe a cheek or, you know, something fit that was really tight and wasn't anymore. So all of that started happening. But this time by working the tools of the program, I wasn't crazed and white knuckles and all that. And it was that one day at a time and letting go of the results and just letting you know that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And some of the and I weigh once a month. 
And the first time I forgot to weigh, I thought, wow, this is a miracle. To think that I was like, oh my God, tomorrow I get to weigh. It's just like two days went by after the once a month. Wow, that's exciting. So I called my sponsor and I weighed then. And it was fine. But um, anyway, I got to a weight. I got to a plateau. I've been here about eight years. I don't want to stay here forever. But I was so afraid. I had prayed. So just all I wanted to do was get back to a normal size. And I'm happy. And it's like, what, what's your first grade for? Because I got that. I got to a normal size. I've kind of been here eight years. Maybe I should say I'm maintaining, you know. It's not what I planned to do. And I was just saying, I sort of went off carbohydrates this past week because someone spoke in a meeting. And, you know, you hear great things there. And I said a few times that I really want to just knock off this extra layer that I don't need. But on the other hand, I was so afraid of feeling deprived and giving it up and then getting resentful and then eating more. I did nothing. And a guy who was speaking said, he gave me, he said, you're not sure how you hold carbs. Give them up for a week. See how you feel. See if you have a problem with it. The problem for me is mainly convenience more than anything else because they fill a lot of occasions. When, and you know what? I'm managing. I mean, I just said, lunch. there's enough proteins and fruits and vegetables in the world without carbs that it hasn't been a great hardship. It's been like an annoyance because you also get a certain degree of resentment saying, well, I gave up all the sweets and all the things that I really love and adore and crave and can't eat like a lady and can't just have a bite. Isn't that enough? And like the answer came very clearly, it's enough. If I want to stay here, it's fine. If you want to lose more, it's physics, it's physiology, it's like supply and demand. If you want to lose it, like, can someone close the door? Just, thanks. Um... It's physiology. It's a natural law. It's not like somebody's doing it to me. They say, oh, well, you're going to see, you know. You can't accomplish both things. Eat all you want and be full and lose some weight. And maybe I'll have to be hungry a little bit once in a while, which is fine also. It's amazing how much you can have. If my head is in the right place, how much I can deal with, you know. And if it isn't, it doesn't matter what's going on with the food, whatever. It's like I know my problem isn't that moment when I put something in my mouth I shouldn't eat. It's what happened just before that that got me to that point. Because there were warning signs. There were moments when you click off and you kind of, I don't care, I'm doing it anyway, whatever. That's the moment that I have to watch out for. Or the moments when I let myself get too tired or too stressed or too upset. And this is like a real stressful week, and I felt like Lloyd Bridges in Airplane. If we try to stop smoking, there's a bad way to... I'm thinking, what, this is a bad way to give up cars. This is a bad way to give up anything, you know? And then I said, well, maybe there's a reason that three months ago I committed to coming to this convention. This because what could be a better place for me to be? But to get stuff out of myself and to hear other people speaking and all that. And the, and the carbohydrate, it was not an abs- My abstinence is I don't do sugars. I mean, I eat foods, you know, if you read the label, five and under, or foods that have it, but I don't do that recreational sugar that are my favorite foods at all. I don't care if they're fat-free, sugar-free, this-free, that-free. You know, when people say, come to Manny's, come to this place, you know, if it looks like it, it tastes like it, it feels like it, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know how much of my problem is chemical or emotional or whatever. I, I'm not that curious. I know I've tasted everything in this life. I mean, everything there is, a little different recipe, a little more of this, a little of that, I've had it. You know, so for this one day at a time, I'm not curious enough to take the chance of what kind of reaction I'm going to have for right now. Um, so I'm trying to sort of segue back to our primary purpose. Well, okay, carrying the message to compulsive eater who still suffers. First, the only way you do it is attraction because they see that you've lost weight or so many people that didn't know you before and you just meet now. And it took a few years to think of myself not as a fastest. I looked like 75 pounds. My top was maybe 225. But I was there not pregnant. And that's what shocked me, you know. And like my first child, I gained 70 pounds. The next one I gained 35. Why? Because I stayed 35 up from the first one. I'm convinced that's what happened. Because in weighing myself, 
I thought, oh, this is great, but how did I end up in the same place? And then I realized it was just, it was mean, and somehow when I was pregnant with my daughter, I stopped smoking. Just Labor Day that year, she's 26. How? I have no willpower. So two packs a day, I coughed and wheezed and all of that. It wasn't my willpower, but I don't know. Since then, and people will say, try this, take a hit, have to rip. I don't care what it is. <laughs> you know, it's the same theory. I'm not curious enough to uh, to try it. So, at any rate, um, the only way I find that we can share the program is the welcoming newcomers when they come to me and try to encouraging people that you know or friends. You know, you can, or I can, tell them a little bit about the program. And you see if there's a spark of interest or if they just tune it out and they're not ready, they don't want to hear it. I have friends on other 12-step programs who are quite large and they're aware of this program. And they come and say, oh, it's great. You got so thin. I say, I'm not thin. I'm not what I was, but I'm not thin. And, and they'll come to a meeting and say, they're not ready. They just can't get it. They don't want to deal with it. And I say, you know, you don't have to listen to every word you hear as gospel. You listen to a whole meeting. People speak. Some you relate to. Some you don't. But now then you hear something that really resonates, you know. Oh, wow, that makes sense. And a lot of the cliches of the program, like nothing tastes as good at abstinence feels. I love that. Or like in the AA program where it talks about in the big book about when you go into a bar and it's gaily lit and everyone's having a ball and they're dressed up and mentally picturing it tomorrow morning with, well, there used to be cigarette butts all over. And it's dirty and grungy and drinks left and everything else. And you just picture it that way. Just my insides looking that way, you know? I mean, we don't need, there are enough tools to kind of turn off if I can just remember to tune into them, which is the problem. So, thank God, so far I've been able to do that. And so the other thing is, okay, it's welcoming newcomers when they come. And sometimes I feel badly that more when they have available sponsors stand up. That sometimes is 120 people, there's six. I think, well, I can't be feeling badly. If I'm not one of those people standing up, then everyone else has a reason. Some are full, some have too many. We have to know our boundaries and how many people we can handle. And I don't send up. Since I've been back, I've gone through inventory, fourth step, all the steps, and again, and then bogged down at eight and nine, which my sponsor and I are working on, because then I want to finish that this time, this absence, and feel comfortable with the sponsor, which I think in a lot of ways is probably silly, but I haven't volunteered to yet. And I'm praying for an answer to that, to just get comfortable with it, because then as many years as I've been here, I have something I could share. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And it isn't that we know the perfect answers. It's that I know it's God's will speaking through me. If I can just let it go, you know when you get questions like you don't know the answer, or you're so afraid of misdirecting somebody or telling them the wrong thing, well, I think if I'm only sharing my experience, strength, and hope, it isn't wrong. This is what I did that worked for me. That's the best we can do, you know. And we're just there for God to kind of speak through us. So I've told other people I know about the program, or sometimes one friend I know who's so... <laughs> Wanting to get this, actually the daughter of a friend who's quite less, gave her the packet, newcomer packet, and we talked about it. So is this meeting good? Is that one good? Is this one? There's not a bad meeting. You go whenever you have the time and you can fit it in, you know, because we tried three times to get it at my regular meeting. It's, this happens and that happens, and, you know, I, I know how that goes. You're not ready. You're not ready. It's just, you can go to a meeting. It's no commitment. You don't sign. You don't pledge. There's no dues. Go. You don't like it. You can, excuse me, you can sit in the back and leave when you want to any of that but why not just go and hear and see what you hear that you like and all that she did get to one meeting like a week or so ago I was very happy um, but then and nothing happened you know and sometimes I know people go to a meeting and go away and think about it and they're not there yet they're not ready yet 
I mean, it takes, or each of us has different amounts of suffering that we want. I know I got to a place finally where I don't know that I can ever go through this again, those early days of abstaining, and I just, I don't want to test it. So it's one of the things that keeps me, there is nothing that tastes that good that I must have it badly enough to risk my absence. The other thing, I don't eat breads, but I do like, you know, dry stuff, like chips and, and uh, tortillas and pizzas and things like that, because it's the yeast that makes me crazy that I can't have like a lady. And I really just take all boils back down to sugar again, fermented sugar, this kind of sugar. Somehow or other, it all seems to come back to that. So for this week, it's a big challenge not doing the carbs. And it's fine. It's totally fine. It's a little irritating sometimes, but, you know, I just don't go to the places where the main food is carbs, or it's Italian or Mexican or whatever. And, you know, there's like plenty of other places to go, and there's plenty of other foods to eat. So I said, yes, an experiment, and I'll do it for a week, and I'll see how it goes. And if I, and I go back to eating them again, it's a lot less. Because you remember, well, I remember when I started in again, it was no carbs, protein, fruits, and vegetables, and that's what got the weight off, and lots of water which is another thing that I often forget, you know, to drink a lot of the water and stuff. And it's just a simple rule. That helps. And now it's like, how willing am I to give something up to get to where I want to be? And that, the answer is I'm willing to go to where I'm not hungry and I'm comfortable and there's enough foods and I'm not deprived. And carbohydrates, like once a day, is plenty, you know? I certainly, because you start getting sloppy. I mean, yeah, it's in the abstinence, but I only have it with all meals. To have it sometimes, it's fine because the odd thing is, it's not a food I particularly like that much. It's just this utility. It's like cheese, kind of. I mean, you don't get ex- I don't get excited about it, but it's it's there when you're looking for foods to eat, you know, for your meal times and all of that. Um, it helps a whole lot. The other way that we carry the message, I think, if like you are eating out or at luncheons or dinners, not with program people necessarily, and they see what you're eating, I should say, well, aren't you having? Oh, this is so good. You have to have it. I don't have to. If it becomes an issue with them, I know it's their issue, it's not mine. So why is it so important to you that I have to have some? You know, oh, I mean, I don't feel guilty, I don't apologize for it, it's just no thank you. I feel badly sometimes if it's someone's house, they baked the cake, they did all that, sorry. I have some friends who are world-class chefs. They understand that if it's me, they'll have some berries, they'll have something, you know? It's like they're confident enough in themselves, it's not going to upset them what I'm eating or not eating, why do you care? Um, and it would, if you're at luncheons where, you know, it's a preset menu, and the gorgeous dessert comes, and you'll say, well, I don't eat that because I have plain fruit. And this beautiful little fruit plate always comes in any hotel dining room. And this, oh, how did you get that? What? And I'm thinking, if I wasn't a compulsive eater, I would have dived dives into the gorgeous dessert. Like, well, I just don't do sugars. And they don't need long stories or details or anything else. I just don't do sugars, so they gave me fruit. You don't have to be diabetic. You don't, it just doesn't matter, you know? I mean, usually there's enough going on that it's a simple why, because I asked for the fruit, great, it was no problem. And if they don't have any, it's not the end of the world either. I don't need it. It's just, it's nice to have, but not essential. So all those kinds of actions that we take day to day are what can attract people to the program. And then once they're in, it's for us to see the newcomers. At one of my main meetings, people stand up, they're ideally there to welcome the newcomer. And they stand up and let themselves be identified so people can come and talk to them so they know who they are. Um, or there's a newcomer meeting before the regular meeting. Because it's real intimidating to stand up in a big room. The first, I don't think I did when I first came in, you know, to stand up in front of a big room at all. Even just say your name. And a lot of people do it, and I totally admire them for that. But I think the things we can take, the group spreads the message by having meetings and welcoming other people. And, and the group is made up of us as individuals. So I think individually, what we do in our day-to-day lives 
is what helps bring people to the program. Either telling them about it, maybe giving them literature, and not forcing it on them. Or just say, would you like to come to a meeting with me sometime? Thanks. Um, and welcoming them to do that. And saying, just come to a meeting with me and, and see if you like it. And emphasize, there is no commitment. There's no signing up. No one's going to follow up unless you want them to. If you want to sign up, you can, but you don't have to. And letting go of the results, which is the one of the things I learned in the program, and it's the hardest thing in my real life, and, this, and well, this is my real life, um, to let go of the results as opposed to high thinking, high, okay, if I do this, then this will happen. Uh, but what if it doesn't happen? And you know how we can make ourselves crazy with that. Say, okay, if this feels like the right action, just do it. And let go of the results. You know, as opposed to beating ourselves up until I should have, I should have, I should have. Those are things that drive us to food. It's just the self-doubt. It took the action that felt right at the time. And you just hope for the best result. And you know how often results come that you never anticipated in a million years. Because God has all kinds of surprises in store for us. And so it was like finding this program, which I found first at a party in the kitchen, of course. And you said, oh, I can't eat this. And you said, why? Et cetera. And then someone said to me, would you like to come to this meeting? <laughs> and I said, oh, boy, I'll go. And it was fabulous because there were people welcoming you. And it was about, everybody sort of had a common purpose. There were different stages in it, but they had a common goal, which was to lose weight. And then as you're on that goal, you start learning all these tools and all these other things that help you to accomplish it, to lose it or keep it down. And you say, thank God for all those tools and all those steps, because day to day, that's what keeps you there. So thank you very much for letting me share. So we're self-moderating today. Um, yes, yeah, so if you have que any questions for us and you want to hand them in, um, it Oh! Oh, please write some. Okay. Next stop. Ask it, ask it questions. Oh. Should we do the question and the answer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. The basket. Has it been passed around? But does anyone have any questions that they'd like to just raise their hands and ask? Oh, well, you know what? We don't have a moderator, so we don't. Oh, there is the band. <laughs> what did I eat for breakfast? <laughs> Funny you should ask it today, right? Because, because I'm like a major breakfast eater, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Oh, this is a great question because... I was going to break it like at 8, but it's a funny day. We had to check out early because we're leaving tonight, and we didn't have time to go to a meeting in the morning and be here. So my roommate said, why don't we, you know, go to the way and then we'll eat. I thought, well, you remember my summer day without breakfast? Amazing what we can do. So it was 8.30. I want to go down to the pool for an hour and swim and lay out. We went to a meeting, and so it was kind of breakfast and lunch combined. And I had some cold cuts and cheese, like a half a burger with a piece of cheese, some salad, uh, pickle, a little bit of soup. This is more food than I normally eat, but the portions were smaller than if you had like a full entree of any of that. I really like to taste a lot of little things when they're there as opposed to a whole lot of one thing. And then we had some fresh fruit. So now what will I eat the rest of the day? Well, we're having dinner here tonight. And what's good about it is having the first meal at 11.30. When I get home, if it's like 10, 11 at night, and I get home at that hour very often and I end up eating then but I don't do a full meal. I'll do maybe a frozen dinner or a salad with tuna or cheese or something like that. Because my feeling is the important thing is how much you eat in one day. Whether you split it up three ways, four ways, whatever, it's how much food did you consume today. So it's kind of a peculiar day today, 
But this program gave me the freedom. No, I did not. Absolutely must have breakfast 10 minutes after I wake up. And you're able to work with circumstances, you know, and not eat anything that you're not supposed to eat that's not in your abstinence. Normally, I might have uh, two ounces of cheese and an orange or a cottage cheese and strawberries or something like that is kind of the norm. Okay. Um, oh, you want to do it? He's like a general Oh, okay. Okay, you want to do the next one and then I'm going to take care of Okay, you want to know. already Okay, how do you extend the heart of hand and hand of a way? That's a good one. Um, I feel uh, that for myself that when I share my experience, strength, and hope, and also um, as um, Lillian said, reaching out to newcomers and uh, making three OA calls a day, um, being of service. These are the things that I do that I feel extend in my hand and my heart to OA because OA has given me really, really a truly way to live. It hasn't given me a life. It's showing me on a daily basis how to live my life and praying every day that I never go back up to 334 pounds. Um, and I also, with my dear friend Jack here, had the opportunity there's something that Dr. Paul said that goes with me on a daily basis, and especially I extend to newcomers. He said he always focused on newcomers, and he always said to them, you keep coming back to see if I'm here, and I'll keep coming back to see if you're here. So that's how I extend my heart and hand to Owen. Thank you. I'm not sure about the answer. Region 2 voted to spell out the name Overeaters Anonymous. Do I feel this helps carry the message? I have to ask a question. Do you mean spell it out when we're speaking or spell it out? Oh, is it? Oh, I guess not everyone got the message. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't think that helps. I think sometimes if you're in hotels and all of that, maybe people don't want to put overeaters like that. And they put OA, because those of us coming here know what OA is, so we can find it. And I think it's, I don't think that's going to matter to people one way or the other. We know it's Overeaters Anonymous. And, of course, if we're speaking or at meetings or we're sharing with people, of course we say the whole name. But otherwise, I don't think for big public meetings in hotels it matters. That's my own opinion. I mean, I don't know. Right, but as you said, it's AA. We're OA. <laughs> well, yeah, and the size of it, God knows. I mean, anything that they think will help bring more newcomers. Well, yeah, that's the other part, you know. I don't know. I would say if readers who voted it and they want us to do it when we can, that's fine. But if not, I don't feel any... Oh my God, we made a mistake. We didn't do that, you know. It's just, I don't know, do you want to answer that? Uh, personally, myself, uh, I feel that um, it is carrying the message to be still suffering compulsive overeaters out there. 
There are people that is not aware that they are compulsive overeaters. They would not understand what the initial O and A means. And personally, this is my opinion, that spelling it out would be okay. Thank you. Not, not being anonymous to still suffer from compulsive overeating. Thank you. Okay. Okay. What's the first one? What I like the number two. What was the greatest stumbling block in your recovery? And I have to be honest with you. It was step four. I had a hard time with step four. Um, and that's like I spoke earlier. It's because I didn't want to be honest with what went on with me in my past, present. You know what was going on with me, and I left part of it off. And I gave it away to my sponsor the first time. Some couple of weeks later, it bothered me. It kept bothering me that I had not been honest and truthful with her. Not even myself, much less my God. And I called her on her job and asked her, could we have lunch? I had something to tell her. And when we had lunch and I told her what I had done and I had to explain to her what was what. And then she said to me, now you have completed your step four and you have been honest with your God, yourself, and to another human being. And that's when I felt whole and really, really spiritual in believing that there was a higher power that had guided me to this fellowship. Thank you. Okay, third question, okay, which is how do you use the program to face the issues that come up in everyday life? Only because I'm dealing with it like right now. This very stressful situation, if it's event Friday, we have some elements that aren't in place, and every time I get, what's amazing is I'm not eating over it, and largely because of the program that I can say, okay, just take a deep breath, and then I read every morning, I read the dress for today, and um, another little book, it's a Hazelden, that it's like, you know, something for the day, and the dress for today, and sometimes I'll read some more, and it's the steps of the prayer that sort of get me in touch with myself, and I'll say the third step and the seven step prayers, not like this, I mean, not like clutching my fist, but just, just to do it, and to just take that minute, and turn it over to God, and say, pray to God, to like, lift, not for an answer, not do this for me, not give me this, not whatever, just please, like, sort of show me if this hit me over the head if there's something I'm missing what am I not getting you know um, and sort of make it clearer I, I don't understand I know there's an answer I don't know what it is and just letting it go and turning it over and it gives you a peace even for a minute just to let it go and know the answer is out there and stuff so for the most and sometimes it reminds me to have patience and to let things go let the results go so it really helps a lot and a lot of ways. Thank you. Jack is sending me back to school. She says, what is a fellowship? Ah. For me, um, I feel that it is like coming together like a unity, like tradition one. Uh, when you come together, 
and um, be supportive of each other. It's a lot different than our organization. I, I personally, myself, like to call OA a fellowship, a fellowship of unity and of one coming together. It's just OA. I'm keeping it OA. Thank you. Great. I love questions that make you think a minute. <laughs> okay. If we're anonymous, how would newcomers know where to come? So I know we're dealing with the fifth tradition. So I'll read the, just for the moment the 11th, which is our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and films. And then the 12th step, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. So, that being said, newcomers will know, A, because somebody in this room will attract them because they've lost weight, whatever, or they'll know because I was in Region 2 for a while as a delegate, and we really, really were trying how to find ways to spread the word that, we, that the program could afford. At one point, it was signs up on bus stops, trouble with weight, having problems with your food, whatever, call this number. Or there is all the other methods that we have, little ads in newspapers, health fairs, many places to go. If they're not looking, maybe they're not ready because you're not looking for a solution. Maybe you don't know you have a problem. And sometimes you start looking, just like we would find, like in our daily life, we have a problem. You start like looking for a solution, little steps. Once you're looking, you'll find us. I think we're listed, I hope we are, in any places that list um, not so much social service, but weight organizations. I mean, you have Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Overeaters Anonymous. There you need to spell it out, obviously, because it's to attract people. So I think you go through all of those methods, and you hope that people that are looking will find it. And those that aren't, when they're ready, we're there. I think that's the most that you can do while maintaining the anonymity of our members and letting them, if they choose to share with somebody or tell someone, it's up to them, but they still have the option of staying anonymous. That's what I think. We don't have a moderator, so we're just doing whatever. Yeah. And what, what is that? Oh, well, we could take the group conscious, and if we want, we could all together oh. go to that other meeting with that's like fun. Well, we're just doing whatever. We can take a group conscious, and if somebody else wants to share, you're welcome. Why not? And we don't know. We just take group conscious. Sort of make our own rules. We're just doing whatever because we don't know. We're new at this. Exactly. There was a plan, but that was the question. Did we finish sharing? Oh, they're still taping. They stopped taping. They're still taping. Okay. Oh no, no kidding. Okay, so that eliminates one option. Uh, we'll let the results go to God. Yeah. We can. Let's see. Yeah, that's something we take a group conscious because we're new at this. We don't know what's going on. I have a question. Yeah. Um, could you expand a little bit on principles before personality? Thank you mentioning it right now, it kind of made me think of it in another way that I had never, never really thought of it before. But I think it can really have a lot of meaning, uh, the way I just thought of it right now. I, I, it was just like a light came on. Do you want to tell me a little what way you just thought of it? And then I can... Principles before personality, 
right now, I thought, oh, that's what it means. I was thinking of, of the principal maybe doing the right thing when maybe somebody is not doing the right thing to you, but the principal would be what God would want, my higher power would want me to do, that's the right thing. Uh, and the personality, maybe that person doesn't like me, and that's a personality difficulty, yeah. but I don't need to care about that. That's but their problem. The right yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think... I think principles before personality also means, particularly, let's say, in a meeting sense or in a program sense, you may not like people personally, but they do their job. You may like the work that they do and what they do that relates to the program. Or if they need help from you or they ask you something, you help them and you share with them as fellow OA members. It doesn't mean you can't, we, you know, we're human. You can't like everybody. And sometimes there are personalities that really annoy you or irritate you, so maybe you don't hang out with them, but... If it's an OA situation, maybe you're on a committee or you're, you know, running a meeting or something, you work with them and you share together and you rise above. They say, okay, God, there's a reason I'm put with this person because some people just don't click, you know? And it's just to rise above it and do what you have to do with the principles of the program and not letting that personality get you. And it's really hard sometimes, you know? But I think that's, that's what it means. Do you want to say anything? I think Lillian uh, uh, really put it uh, in a very good way that keeping it OA is uh, the fact is that principles of the fellowship uh, should always be uh, respected and accepted regardless of personalities. We all have different personalities. And we aren't going to like what other people say and do. But the principles of the program is coming out to be acceptance. And I accept you and you just as you are. And that's my concept of personalities and principles. That I accept you. And that's the principles of the fellowship. That I accept you as you are. But I mean, I like what you're doing. But I'm going to hate you. I still love you. Thank you. I'm going to like you. I can love you. Yeah. I would vote if it's okay with everyone to take this in conscience and close the meeting and then there's other great speakers speaking you can go listen to. Okay? Format? Oh. Oh, what a good idea. Mm-hmm. No questions. These are questions for mine. Now time to close this workshop. Please join me for a moment of silence while... Oh, well, we'll tell them we're done and they'll stop it. Oh, then you'll do it, yeah. <laughs> it's now time to close this workshop. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer.